Well, hello and welcome to the first Diagnexia podcast. Uh, my name is Ranjun Chetty and I'm the CMO of Diagnexia, an international pathology services company with facilities in Dublin, Chicago and Exeter in the UK. Um, so on this first inaugural podcast, I'm delighted to welcome our two guests, um, Dr. Daniel O'Shea, who is the founder and CEO of Diagnexia, and Mr. Steve Blunden, Cellular and Anatomic Pathology Operations Manager at University Hospitals Plymouth Trust. So thank you both for agreeing to do this podcast and, and welcome. So just by way of uh, introduction, um, it would be nice for our listeners to learn a little bit about the journey that you both have taken to get to where you are and a little bit about yourself. So perhaps Steve, you as the guest, uh, would you like to kick off? Yes, uh, hello everybody. I, I'm Steve, um, Operations Manager at uh, University Hospitals Plymouth uh, in Devon in the southwest of the UK. Um, I started my career way back on the 2nd of January 1980 as a uh, junior medical laboratory scientific officer in Torbay um, in the uh, English Riviera. Um, and I've taken a long journey through learning uh, histology via um, HND. Uh, HNC, etc. And then I did the Institute of Biomedical Science uh, special exam as it was back then. Uh, I'm that old that we, back then we didn't do degrees as a way of entry. Uh, and it was very much learning on the job with day release to learn the theory behind. And I, I found that invaluable uh, for me to actually learn my trade uh, as I learned the theoretical aspects behind it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, I moved to Plymouth in 1985 as a, a senior um, medical laboratory scientist professor, uh, which is a, a promotion. Uh, and then I've worked the rest of my career moving up through the ranks, through a senior to chief and then to a biomedical scientist. I've run various aspects of departments, the dissection room, the uh, immunohistochemistry sections, etc. Uh, and I've raised to the lofty um, perch I now occupy as operations manager to oversee the entire uh, histopathology and mortuary processes within Plymouth. Lovely, thanks. So you have vast Thank experience um, in, yeah. in the field and certainly in Plymouth. Uh, yes. Donald, you, ha you have a storied career in digital pathology, so perhaps a quick uh, introduction to how you got to where you are. Sure, Ranjan, and uh, many thanks for hosting today's podcast. Um, my name is Donald O'Shea. I'm the CEO of a company called Decifex, which is the parent company of the Diagnexia Clinical Diagnostic Service. Um, I'm an academic originally by trade, um, did a degree in life sciences, PhD in computer vision, which I suppose was a bit of an unusual combination back at the time. Um, saw my first pathology images in probably about 1999, 2000. Uh, when we were trying to stitch together images using a motorized stage to create a wide field view of some breast cancer cases. Very interesting project at the time. But ultimately that started a journey in the whole world of digital pathology lasting obviously the guts of 30 years now at this point. Um, as an academic, um, taught for many years, taught computer vision, taught um, medical imaging, lots of different disciplines like that founded a startup, um, a spin out of an academic institution in Ireland um, in uh, 2003, 
and uh, we ended up um, selling that business, a business called Slide Path, to UK PLC called Genetics, who are in the life science and diagnostics automation side of things. And with Genetics, uh, we rapidly turned that business to um, to Danaher, or more at more specifically, like a biosystems, where I worked for several years, maybe about six, seven years, uh, in various different functional roles, uh, overseeing their digital pathology program, overseeing the acquisition of the Perio technologies, and finally, uh, ultimately looking after their cytogenetics and clinical microscopy businesses. Um, in 2017, I decided that there was a number of unfulfilled needs uh, still residual in, in the realm of digital pathology. I felt that ultimately, digital pathology fundamentally was, was yet to deliver a true return on investment for users. And ultimately, uh, both myself and my co-founder, Mark Gregson, were extremely focused on teasing out those value propositions to a greater extent. And uh, um, so we set up the SciFix in 2017, uh, went on to develop a platform technology to support uh, um, pathology and drug safety assessment, which has now been adopted by nine of the 10 global pharma, top 10 global pharma, and many of the top uh, contract research organizations. Um, and subsequently, uh, we spun up the Diagnexia service, which basically integrates a network of high quality pathologists into a, a virtual service that allows uh, clients like, like Steve, for example, to gain access to some of the best quality pathologists available, but also to improve turnaround time and quality of reporting as well. And, and fundamentally, as I said, that's where we've, we are today. Thank you very much. So just pursuing that, Donald, so what do you think are the critical issues that Diagnexia as a company can solve? You touched on turnaround time, but beyond that, is there anything else? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, many organizations are considering the adoption of digital pathology today, and many, and many of the NHS hospitals in the UK are somewhat ahead of the curve internationally, right, in terms of uh, sort of penetration of digital pathology into, I would say, mid-tier hospitals below the academic hospitals, for example. And uh, this is unusual internationally. We don't see that trend as much in other countries. But I think there's a degree of foresight in the UK that's positive in that respect. However, that being said, you know, organizations are still adopting digital pathology in the enterprise or in their own silos. So effectively, their ability to leverage digital pathology to workload balance or alternatively to leverage digital pathology as a substrate for artificial intelligence augmentation to support productivity gains. Mm -hmm. That's really where we feel we can add a lot of value to the, to, the, to the equation. And ultimately, I suppose our focus then as a result is really thinking about relationships outside the organization where effectively we're connecting um, you know the enterprise or or the hospital effectively with external capability that they that they wouldn't have access to previously in a very efficient way that allows them to meet turnaround time goals and objectives and to ensure the quality and consistency of the service they're providing sure so the uk obviously is the market that we're talking about with steve but are there any other areas that um, Diagnex is offering their services yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that, you know, the shortage of pathologists worldwide is a fundamental problem here, right? And ultimately, um, you know, no matter where you look in the world, even in countries with high pathologist density, there are localized problems in terms of service, service provision. And, you know, as we look further afield, the, the numbers of pathologists per head of capita go, go way down vis-a-vis -vis the UK or maybe the US. And ultimately those markets uh, in many ways are, are crying out for, for access to expertise, right? You know, where effectively difficult cases, more challenging cases 
are difficult for, for, for general pathologists to interpret. And as a result, there's a requirement for access to subspecialists in certain situations to provide input on, on challenging cases. So, so we see this demand globally for, for consults uh, effectively where, um, you know, uh, local facilities and institutions don't have access to the expertise locally that they would need or even nationally within their country. So, so for us, we see uh, Diagnexi as a very global service. Uh, and ultimately, as I said, operationally, we're already active in the Middle East, in Canada, in the UK and in the US, and with, with plans to further expand uh, international market coverage. Right. And we've got a proprietary uh, platform, viewing platform for pathologists, and you've got some feedback um, from pathologists. Could you share some of the feedback with us in terms of how they've um, uh, used the platform and uh, what they think of it com in comparison to others that are out there? Yeah, and, and I think, I suppose, in some ways, we, as, as an organization, we're at, we're at a kind of an advantage to some extent to, let's say, uh, Steve and in his situation where, for example, uh, Steve has an existing laboratory management system or, or LMS, or, and ultimately, when bringing in digital pathology, they're required to add a second system or an image management system that sits adjacent to that platform. And the interactions between those platforms are generally suboptimal, right? Because it's two different pieces of software. And I suppose one of the, the real benefits that we've been able to bring to the table is the ability to integrate both the laboratory management system part of things and the image management system part of things in a coherent workflow that allows our pathologists to interact more efficiently with the data and interact and prepare reports more efficiently. So I suppose in some ways um you know that's kind of um, how would you say in line with the type of feedback we're receiving for pathologists who have digital pathology experience in their own hospital setting that mm -hmm. the experience of working in our platform because of its integrated nature uh, just as a breath of fresh air for them sure and and obviously there are lots of tools that uh, enhance the way the pathologist performs their daily functions can you briefly touch on some of the tools that are yeah, available? Yeah, and, and, and I think, Ranjan, you, you do touch on something valuable there. I suppose as an organization, we, we're, we're great believers in, in principles like Lean Six Sigma, process optimization, workflow optimization, and so on. And we think, we think deeply about, I suppose, our, our user experience. And as much as, uh, let's say, we have customers who have a specific user experience, but also we have our pathologists who, who are also users of the system. And, and ultimately, we, we take a lot of their feedback on board. And you know, as you say, they're optimal tools, counting tools, uh, measurement tools, interactions between images is very smooth. We've got really good ergonomic navigation and control in, within, the, within the viewing platform itself. And ultimately, as we move forward, we're, we're just on the cusp of introducing, um, let's say, quantitative immunohistochemistry into the platform or even screening for abnormalities in specific uh, disease types, maybe like colorectal, for example, as a, as a key target. Um, you know, so as we start to further evolve the platform uh, for our pathologists, we, we see them becoming more efficient, more effective, and ultimately uh, putting them in a position to read more cases uh, in, a, in, a, in a safe and efficient way in a, in a shorter period of time. Sure. And also these tools enable the pathologist to take the subjectivity of counting and measuring. Of counting and enumeration out of the equation. Bringing in a yep. lot more objectivity. No. Thank you for that. Um, in, and in terms of backlogs, you know, there have been backlogs in the NHS forever. Um, and there are other companies, many of whom, or some of whom are actually using a digital platform. What separates, in your mind, Diagnexia from our competitors? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, we've had some very interesting conversations in the marketplace, and I think uh, 
for, for laboratory managers uh, such as Steve, you know, I think one of the, the key challenges is meeting turnaround time KPIs in their own organizations. And, you know, we see uh, an, an ability to directly digitally accession cases from a digital workflow within a, an NHS hospital directly into our system. Um, and then our ability to immediately uh, refer that case to a third party pathologist of quality that, that, that ultimately speeds up and compresses the cycle time on a consult or, a, or on a or on a remote primary diagnostic and and effectively the impact of that is that ultimately it allows lab managers to to provide content to us that will meaningfully impact on their own uh, turnaround time KPIs versus uh, leaving that case until, let's say, the, the 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 time expires, and then sending it out to a backlog provider. I think the other thing, obviously, as we've said already, is that you know the service is entirely subspecialty led. So effectively, um, our ability to kind of um, you know support the lab manager in terms of their understanding of who's doing the work on their behalves, the quality of that work, the consistency of reporting, all of those factors, you know, and, and look, we, we're, we're taking a very startup philosophy to this, you know, kind of high energy, high customer experience, high quality customer experience, very responsive in terms of um, feedback and uh, in terms of how we want to interact with our with our clients and customers in the marketplace and being respondent to their needs and requirements. So, so I think that startup philosophy actually counts for a lot as well in the overall uh, delivery of service. No, sure. And I think the ability to interact with the reporting pathologist and knowing the individual certainly uh, gives a bit of reassurance to the particular NHS department for which they're reporting and the fact that they can have the conversations about diagnoses, etc. That's also a very important facet of the service delivery. Um, one of the other issues that comes up quite frequently, again, specifically to the NHS, is the demand for locums. Do, do you think Diagnexia, with its virtual pathology network, can fulfill the role of a locum? Well, I think that... Um... You know, I suppose that the concept of a locum being a, a, a human being who takes a specific volume of cases on, um, you know, versus a collection of human beings who can balance that workload or provide an equivalent service, but maybe from a subspecialty led per perspective, I think, um, you know, is a value added proposition in its own right, because every case that's being reviewed is being reviewed by a, a recognized expert in the space. So, so I think that's a really important step. But I, I do believe though, as digital pathology becomes more prevalent, and as let's say laboratories in the UK start to digitize higher volumes of materials and that those volumes are documented well within let's say an image management system, that the ability to interact seamlessly effectively with an external resource um, you know, becomes more and more uh, likely. And, you know, as I said, our, our ability to, to connect uh, the world's pathologists to some extent um, facilitates us building relationships that are more locum-like in nature, I would say, as we move forward. Sure, and, and obviously having um, GMC-registered pathologists and locally registered pathologists, no matter where we operate, certainly enhances the ability to do primary diagnostics with that um, reassurance of quality, et cetera, and registration. Um, and, and I think I think that's a really, really important topic that you touch on there, because even as a global service, you know what I mean? Our primary focus is to 
to deliver for local markets, right? You know what I mean? So, and as you say, in the context of local markets comes local regulation, uh, local considerations around uh, data management, data protection, all of those factors. And, you know, we're very, very cognizant of those matters as a business. And, you know, we have a very, very robust uh, regulatory and and uh, information security management team who, who interact and deal with those local considerations on a country by country basis. Sure, and I think that's reassuring to know that patient health information, the fidelity thereof, is protected at banking absolutely, level, absolutely, absolutely, and can be guaranteed. So that security is vital. And and and, and I think being being the developer of our own technology, I think, gives mm-hmm. us a lot of surety as well. That ultimately we understand what's under the hood, we understand how it's put together, we understand the quality systems that have been applied to the development of that software, uh, we understand the functional specifications of that software. So in many ways, you know, we've much better comprehension of, of risk associated with the use of software for this type of purpose than any other vendor in the marketplace, in my view. And in terms of usability, Donald, how, would you say that, uh, you know, the, the client interface, we know that the pathologist interface works quite well and very well, in fact. Um, in terms of usability for a client, uh, what reassurances can you give them in terms of ease of uh, use? Yeah, I think um, as we've, as we enter various markets, I think that we generally identify um, you know the most optimal way and approach to 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 work with clients and I think that um, for us and you know Steve will probably attest to you know what I mean our ability to interact with the client and basically address any considerations or concerns they have about workflow we're very much about trying to provide or not personalized workflow but certainly trying to be very uh, attuned to local requirements and 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 address um you know workflow considerations in that respect and you know as 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 the premise matures uh i think what we will see is a lot more focus within the the client landscape on on matters like how do i rapidly get more cases into the system how do i rapidly integrate reporting data back into my primary lis these are going to be the key drivers of uh, interaction uh in the future from my viewpoint at least in terms of driving a, a super efficient um, you know, data flow between internal systems and external systems. And you know, we're very much um, investing in that, that landscape and uh, our team is very, very focused on, on trying to fulfill um, you know, those touch points within the, within the ecosystem technically. And we're working with a number of partners across the UK on the optimal strategy to do that for, for across the NHS. Right. And so it's a customizable solution, obviously. Effectively. And I think I think what we when we say customizable, I think that, you know, it's it's all about learning lessons in a marketplace, understanding the dynamics, um, making sure that we're respondent to um, user feedback and, and iterating quickly on the software so that, that we can uh, we can provide um, an agile response to any any matters arising as a result. You know, sure. No, thank you very much, Daniel. So, Steve, if I can perhaps turn to you then, um, what prompted you to investigate Diagnexia and how, how did your relationship with Diagnexia evolve? Well, as, as Donal's already highlighted, there's a, a chronic shortage of reporting consultant histopathologists in the UK and no different in Plymouth. We're probably five short of what we would need to be to meet our demand. And the, the existing... Um, outsource providers offer a very much a supermarket uh, bulk buy type arrangement that is in my opinion quite impersonal um, and 
I was looking for something that was a little bit more dynamic, interactive, and offered me um, better value for the money I was spending in terms of patients getting a, a timely quality report back um, to allow me to manage my turnaround times. And um, I'll be perfectly honest and, and say that Diagnetia actually approached me first, but um, it's very clear to see in our initial discussions that they had a very forward thinking approach to delivering a service uh, and along the very same sort of lines that I was looking for. Um, we, with the big suppliers, it's a faceless uh, solution. You, you don't really know who is going to be reporting your work. You just send a load of cases away. Uh, and then reports start to come back in. And the only time you know uh, who, who's reported it is you actually recognize a name at the bottom of the report. Uh, and I don't want that really. I want it to be more of a, a team approach and, and we can look at building up a relationship and a partnership with Diagnexia as a company, but also the individual pathologists. And, Certainly. Uh, and speaking to Donal and Chris and the team, uh, very impressed with a different way of thinking and adapting to local needs. Right, no, absolutely. And I think uh, one of the cases in point was an unexpected melanoma diagnosis in one of the cases from Plymouth, which uh, our pathologists uh, communicated quite rapidly um, back to to you. And um, and that, again, opens the channels for communication, you know, uh, with pathologists, as I said previously, they're quite happy Absolutely. to communicate. So I think that's really yeah. important. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's the whole premise of, of working as a team, isn't it? Is good communication um, helps. And I can just answer Donald's sort of original thing about the IT um, adaptability and everything. We did have a couple of early issues with uh, how we receive reports back, but the team all took part in an hours long uh, teams conversation to see what our issues were, understand our issues and try and put some resolutions in. Uh, so very adaptable. It's, it, it is, for me, it seems to be a team partnership approach rather than me sending work and I just get the answers back. Sure. Steve, you've touched on something that uh, I would envisage to be quite an important rate, rate limiting step is the IT. And, you know, the NHS has strong firewalls and difficulties in their own rules, etc. Um, how have you found navigating that particular um, channel? Um, well, at the moment, with the, the type of workflow that we have with Diagnexia, it's not been that difficult. Um, but as we sort of move forward, when we may well, may well be submitting digital images rather than just the glass slides, there will be a lot of governance issues um, to be addressed. But for some reason, it seems the IT and the governance team seem fairly comfortable with glass slides with patient information going through the post but actually going something digitally across the internet with the patient information mm -hmm. on is a little bit more uncomfortable and they there's always the uh, at the back of their minds is that we open a door into the systems and uh, as we move forward i think that there will be more hurdles to be addressed but sure. uh, as as I've already said, I think the relationship we have and um, Diagnexia's IT team seem very 
flexible, amenable to overcoming issues and barriers. So I would feel confident that we'll be able to address those. Yes, I think the you know the benefits of a, of a digital solution is that you don't have to transport physical glass slides back and forth with the risk of breakages and losses. And then, of course, the retyping of paper reports, um, whilst you know we can provide a conduit directly into your LIS, I guess. So those are very important advantages that will impact on patient turnaround time and ultimately patient management. And yeah, hopefully, absolutely. hopefully the um, IT um, people see that as as a benefit that outweighs any minor risk that they may be. Uh, so, in a nutshell, you know, would you be able to? What advice would you give, say, colleagues who uh, were contemplating using Diagnexia as a service, Steve? I, I, I think um, build that relationship, understand um, what Diagnexia are offering you um, as a service, but also what you can offer them back in return. And that, that is building up that partnership, developing a system that is um, is fit for, for you to use and, and them to deliver that service and um, go into it in an open mind. Uh, I think Diagnexia offer more than the, the traditional big, I call them the, the, the supermarket approach to outsourcing. Mm -hmm. um, look at them as, as building a, a partnership and becoming part of your team. And I, I think Donald um, hit a little bit earlier on in when he was talking that we need to be looking at a different approach to sure. um, how we deliver a diagnostic service to our patients and um, the, the locum issue is is one of those things but I, I think that if we can build a relationship with one or two known uh, expert pathologists within your system they become part of our reporting team mm -hmm. uh, and actually uh, be, become part of the, the department as a whole if you if you like um, it's not just a faceless individual and, and we can work they fill that vacancy that we might well have uh, and provide a that that immediacy of having a conversation and offering information to MTT meetings if, if required and everything is so good compared to the traditional way of delivering the outsourcing market right right yeah so innovative ways of trying to solve the problem absolutely um, so at the moment, the, the pressing need, and, and this is NHS-wide, is for, you know, reporting of the low complexity, high volume GP-generated skins, for instance. Uh, and do you envisage a time when the more complex cases um, could then be outsourced as well, given our subspecialist model and the, you know, MDT-ready um, pro forma reports and optic reports that you'd get back? Uh, absolutely, yeah. I see... Um... For me, that's the next step for us. Uh, and I have already started those conversations with the local team because we do have uh, resilience issues with some complex uh, cases, mm -hmm. um, renal, liver, thoracic, et cetera, sarcoma. Uh, and it would be really good to build a relationship with uh, a known pathologist that we could work closely with to provide that. And um, we, we need to be looking out Side the box about delivering our service and everything and it's it's great to outsource your your low complexity high volume stuff allowing the pathologist to report the complex things if you have a pathologist who can report the complex 
makes things. And if you're single-handed in a discipline like we are with liver and renal, if they are sick or on leave or something like that, how do I deliver that service? So there is definitely a market for highly subspecialized uh, relationships. Sure. And I, and I think the high complexity cases allow for that engagement between pathologists as well to discuss the cases. And hence, uh, relationships can be forged on that basis as well, you know, giving yes. a second opinion as well as reporting them, um, you know, primarily as well. Yes, exactly. Great. OK, so looking at the regulatory landscape, and I'll open to both of you, I mean, what impediments do you see are the most pressing ones? Um, Steve, perhaps if you start and then I can go to Donald. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as a diagnostic uh, department, we have to be UCAS accredited in the UK, um, and that's our main regulatory body. Um, and we can't just switch from analog glass reporting to uh, digital histopathology. Um, and offer that as our primary diagnostic route, we, we have to validate um, and verify that system. And it has to be offered to UCAS as an extension to scope because we're effectively changing the, the route to diagnosis. The diagnosis itself isn't going to change and the thought process that a pathologist has isn't going to change but actually viewing on a screen and utilizing AI and the, all those other tools is different to the, to the traditional route. And we have to prove that we've given that due diligence and considered it and made sure that that diagnostic report delivered in that process is the same as it would have been via glass or better. Uh, and that is a huge amount of work for any laboratory uh, to undertake and it will impact on how we deliver the service in the short term because whilst the pathologist is validating and verifying their um, ability to report digitally uh, they're, they're reporting in tandem so they're still reporting on glass mm -hmm. still doing it digitally and everything it slows them down uh, and it's quite a, a change to hearts and minds to make that change uh, but there's no way we can get away from the regulatory uh, aspects of it. And we, we do need to meet those requirements. Sure. And Steve, are the pathologists receptive to this change? Yeah, uh, I think on the whole, um, pathologists becoming more and more receptive to this change. Sure. Nobody likes change. In, in, and some <laughs> especially of changes, pathologists. <laughs> especially pathologists. This, this, for some people, is a massive change. And we know that um, in all works of life, there are people who adapt to change nicely. There are people who are technophobes and, and there are people who love technology and want to jump on this uh, straight away. So it's a, a um, I think as time goes on, the pathologist body are becoming more receptive to the fact that we do need to change. We do, we can't carry on as we are and that the the offered advantages of reporting digitally um, will help uh, resolve some of those solutions. It's not going to be the be all and end all and flicking a switch that all our problems have gone away once we go digital, but it, it will help in some ways to um, reduce that burden. And more and more of the pathologists are coming around to the fact that yes, we do have to change. Sure, and, and what about the workflow in the lab? The impact of yeah, introducing it, a digital solution. Yeah, that, uh, again, it's a big impact. And I think 
um, early on in my sort of uh, journey into digital pathology, it became very clear to me that, that um, everybody was thinking of the advantages to a pathologist and how the reporting efficiencies were going to grow with no real uh, thought put into actually how is that image going to get to them and the changes in the workflow in the, the laboratory. Uh, we know that with the imaging change to digital pathology, they actually removed a step from their process with the film developing, etc. We're actually adding steps in by having to scan and therefore there is quite a, a big change in the workflow within the department. But again, good planning, good conversations, uh, good lean implementation and things like that, we will get there and it will be I bet you within six months of going live, it'll be like we'll be doing it forever. No, absolutely. I think it's just a, a change to the routine. And once you get used to it, um, yeah. I think it will become, um, you know, de rigueur. Um, Donald, have you any comments regarding the sort of regulatory issues from the provider side of things? Yeah, I think, uh, Ranjan, obviously, I suppose we, we have the benefits uh, in the Diagnexia service of pathologists who are very receptive to digital pathology and who have signed up to a, a digital pathology native platform, right? So effectively, in some ways, while we still have the validation overheads that Steve alludes to, and obviously we follow rigorous procedures in terms of following Royal College of Pathology guidance in terms of digital pathology validation, um, ultimately, uh, our pathologists, we don't have the change management issues that, that, that Steve is dealing with in the context of uh, winning hearts and minds. As we said already, all our pathologists are extremely um, digitally savvy and ultimately want to be on the service for that reason. You know, so, um, so I think that side of things is, is probably a slight advantage. But internationally, I think outside of the UK and other markets, uh, we still see some interesting uh, challenges in the US, for example, where the, the status or position of, of remote digital sign out is still ambiguous and ultimately uh, while uh, CLIA waivers exist pertaining to COVID, uh, still stay in place pertaining to the, the remote review and sign out of digital cases in, in any context, not just digital pathology. Um, you know, there's a real drive and clamor now within the US to, you know, make these changes permanent. And that gives a lot more surety to uh, providers or service providers in the marketplace that a digitally native solution has sustainability. And I think for us, as I said, as a business, uh, looking internationally at the regulatory landscape, that's still probably the, the elephant in the corner of the room, so to speak, in terms of where, where the industry is at. Sure. Yeah, well, thank you both very much for your time. I really enjoyed speaking to you both. And um, hopefully we can do this again.